If the mountain seems too big today, climb the hill instead. If the morning brings you sadness, it's okay to stay in bed. If the day ahead weighs heavy and your plans feel like a curse, there is no shame in rearranging. Don't make yourself feel worse. If a shower stings like needles and a bath feels like you'll drown, if you haven't washed your hair for days, don't throw away your crown. A day is not a lifetime. A rest is not defeat. Don't think of it as failure, just a quiet, kind retreat. It's okay to take a moment from an anxious, fractured mind. The world will not stop turning while you get realigned. The mountain will still be there when you want to try again. You can climb it in your own time. Just love yourself till then. This is a poem called The Mountain by Laura Ding Edwards that I came across very randomly and I love it. Hi listeners, welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and suddenly everybody left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of personal stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with professionals in the grief world. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Jana DeCristofero, and produced by Dougie Center, the National Grief Center for Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. I could never survive what you're going through. You're so strong. Let me know if there's anything I can do. These are just three of the many things that get said to those in grief. Things that usually don't land very well. Yes, they come from good intentions. They're said by people who want to help. They're the words we turn to when we don't know what else to say. And still, the best of intentions can't always buffer their impact. For Miriam, hearing, I can't imagine what you're going through, I could never survive it, left her feeling more isolated and misunderstood. It makes sense that people have the urge to say this to Miriam, because what she's going through is hard to imagine. It's devastating to think about. And yet, she's here. She's surviving. She's working hard at university. She's laughing and crying with her sisters. She's even helping others who are also going through grief. Let me catch you up on Miriam's story. She was just six when her father, Nurtai, died of cancer at the age of 33. Marion's mom, Bagidgul, raised her and her two older sisters, while also caring for her husband's mom, who lived with them. Two years later, Marion's grandfather, her mother's father, died. Four years after that, her father's mother also died. Then, this past summer, Marion's mother, the strongest woman she knew, died of heart issues. Her mother was in the hospital for a few weeks before she died, and at the exact same time, her grandmother, her mother's mother, was also in the hospital with COVID. Three days after Miriam's mother died, on the day of her first funeral, Miriam and her sisters got the news that their grandmother had died as well. So you can see why people have said to Miriam, I can't imagine, because they can't. They can't imagine what it's like to have both of your parents die before you turn 21. They can't imagine what it's like to hear the news that your grandmother has died on the same day as your mother's funeral. They can't imagine what it's like to navigate all of this during the COVID-19 pandemic, which complicated everything. 
They also can't imagine what it's like to be grieving, alone, far from family and home. Because while Mariam lives and goes to school in Prague, her family is in Kazakhstan. Mariam reached out to me and wanted to tell her story, to remember her mother and father, to reflect on how grief has been a part of her life for a really long time, and to acknowledge how hard and painful this new grief is. Mariam, thank you so much for joining me for Grief Out Loud today. Thank you for having me. And let's let's start way back at the beginning. So you were just six when your dad died. What do you remember about him? Um, a lot of people think that I don't remember my dad at all. And they ask me this question. I actually remember a lot of things about him. I still remember his smell, as weird <laughs> as this sounds. He had a very distinctive, nice scent to him that I knew as a kid that was him coming if he was crawling uh, from my back. I remember how tall he was. He was about 6'3 slash 6'4. And I've inherited my height from him because I'm pretty tall as well. I remember the way he'd walk. He was a very confident, straightforward person. If he didn't like somebody, he wouldn't have even bothered talking to them or keeping in touch <laughs> with them. He was a very respected man. A lot of people knew him in my city. I remember when I was a kid, he always had a mustache and it would tickle every time he kissed me. Um, he would often eat ice cream. That was his favorite dessert, I think. And there's this uh, specific Russian brand of ice cream that he'd always get. He was a huge Queen fan, the rock band. <laughs> he'd mumble, sing, we will rock you a lot, even though he didn't speak English. <laughs> uh, I still think of my dad when I hear certain songs, especially especially by Queen. He was a protector and a warrior, and he'd go above and beyond to keep his family safe. Mm. That's what I remember the most about my dad. So you remember quite a bit for being, you know, so young when he died. And do you have a sense if those memories are purely yours, or are they also the result of your family talking about him over the years? The the things that I mentioned to you, the things that I just mentioned, they are purely my memories, my own memories. Um, obviously, my mom talked a lot uh, growing up about my dad and my sisters talked a lot as well because they're a bit older than me and they uh, managed to develop way more memories than me with my dad. And so, yeah, but I remember a lot of things about him, that's for sure. And looking back, you know, being six and in your as you were growing up to what do you recall about what grief was like for you? Um, this is a difficult question. Um, grieving as a kid at a very young age and grieving as an adult are two completely different things. I knew that I still had my mom, my sisters and my grandma, uh, my dad's mama that was living with us. I remember the first funeral for my dad. I couldn't understand why all these people were crying. I'd imagine that my dad would come back until when I was about eight, when my granddad died and that, I think, was when I first found out that uh, when I realized that death is essentially a part of life. I remember in first grade, I wouldn't really talk to anyone in class. I was just sort of in my own bubble, but I eventually overcame that. I remember crying in my pillow a lot as a kid, but I think it was mostly because I knew my mom and grandma were sad and I didn't know how to help them. But they did an excellent job at helping me and my sisters go through the pain. You can't protect your kids from 
bereavement because life is unpredictable, but you can help them build healthy coping skills. And I think as a child, you need a lot of um, constant reassurance, support and attention. And I'm very grateful that my mom was always pretty open about grief. She was always happy to answer my questions about my dad when I couldn't remember some things or just some things that I didn't know about him. So Miriam, with having your dad die when you were so young, and then your mom becomes your main person, she's your protector, she cares for you, she supports you in your grief, she supports you and you're growing up. And then as we come to this most recent summer, in your early 20s, your mom dies, and mm-hmm. your grandmother dies. Mm-hmm. And just wondering what it's been like for you to take take in this new loss, carrying forward, the, you know, also the grief of your dad as well? Um, you know, it's hard. I don't, I don't think the pain will ever go away. You just, you don't move on, you just, you move forward, especially now that I'm away from my sisters and home and with all the strict restrictions in the Czech Republic at the moment, it's very difficult since everything's closed. And I cannot just go and see my friends when I want to. It affects everyone's mental health, I think, including mine. Um, I'm still grateful to be alive and healthy. And I keep saying to myself that I'll try to continue my mom's legacy and try to fulfill her dreams. And I am now deep in my um, university work. I read a lot. I've picked on a few hobbies. And whenever I feel like an anxiety attack is coming up, I do a quick special breathing technique that helps me a lot or I try to take a walk if I have time and like I said it's way harder now because I'm away from my sisters yeah you're having to grieve in this really restricted environment cut off from so many of the things that you might normally turn to yeah so can you can you talk to us a little bit about the summer and and the events that led up to your mom's death and then your grandmother? I mean, it was just so compressed in terms of time. So talk to us a little bit about what what happened. At the end of June, I'd say starting from the middle of June, uh, my mom just got ill suddenly. We thought it was COVID, but then uh, we realized that it wasn't and she was put in the hospital and she was in the hospital for about a week. And then we learned that, we found out that my grandma's mama, uh, my mama's mama, I mean, my grandma was ill and she she lived in a different city. So that was pretty hard with all the restrictions. We couldn't just leave our city to go and visit her. And it was confirmed that my grandma had COVID. She was rushed into the ER, to the ICU. Yeah, and then my mom got seriously ill the doctors were saying that her situation was getting worse. Uh, she had a heart condition and then she was put in the ICU as well. So we, me and my sisters, we literally didn't know who to, basically who to worry about because we had our mom in the hospital in the same city. And then we had our grandma in a different city. And then my mom's siblings, they didn't know what to do because their sister is here fighting for her life. And then, Their mom is in a different city fighting for her life as well. And then July 1st, my uh, mom died. And um, that was in the morning, but we found out in the afternoon. In Kazakh tradition, in Kazakhstan, we have quite a few funerals. We have like the four main ones. And then at the first one, that was three days after my mom died. My uncle, 
my mom's uh, younger brother, he came up to us, he gathered everyone. There were some other people that came for the funeral and he said that grandma has passed. So you're at your mom's first funeral and you find out? At my mom's funeral, we found out that mm, grandma died. It might be hard to remember back to that time, but how did you respond when you got that news? You're like carrying the death of your mom, you get this new news, like what happened to you in your body and your mind and your heart? I'm pretty sure that when I found out that my mom died, it was, it was actually my, uh, two of my uncles, not my mom's siblings, just, um, my uncles, they knocked on the door and me and my sister and my auntie was about to have lunch. And we were actually in a good mood that day because the doctors were saying that, mom's condition was improving that she was doing well and that was literally the day before june uh, 30th and i started shouting at my uncle i said please tell me what's wrong right now i need to know and that's when he said your mom has expired i remember i just i broke down i it's it's hard to explain that feeling because at first you think that's not possible she's so young she wasn't even ill for that long she was ill for like two weeks I'd say like seriously ill that was very hard I I'm pretty sure I passed out for some time I I don't (laughs) quite remember that part but I think I did it's hard I was throwing tantrums I couldn't believe I was uh, I ran out of the house and just ran away and three days later when I learned that grandma passed away that was even more difficult, which is, it's like when my mom died, I thought that no pain could be greater than that. And then literally three days later, something even not worse, but worse combined mm. with the pain that I already had happened. Yeah, to have that just layering of pain on top of pain on top of pain. And I know your your mom did not have COVID, but she was in the hospital during the COVID pandemic and wondering how, how did that complicate being there for her and just her time in the hospital? COVID essentially com- complicated everything because we couldn't visit mama. When mama got into the hospital, it was the peak of the pandemic in Kazakhstan, specifically in my city. I remember I'd go to the hospital to bring her food and anything that she wanted me to take because I was constantly on the phone with, uh, she'd message me on WhatsApp because she couldn't uh, like speak on the phone. She couldn't do that physically, but I couldn't go inside and hug her. I couldn't hold her hand. I remember the last time I saw her, that was when uh, she could get out of her bed and she looked out the window and waved at me. She told me to be careful and take care of myself. I couldn't have imagined that it would be the last time I saw her. That's not something that a 20-year-old would want to go through, not being able to hold your mom's hand and tell her it was going to be okay. Yeah, so to try to have have these heartbreaking conversations and to do them over WhatsApp and through the window of the hospital. Yeah, it wasn't even, I was, I remember I texted her saying it was going to be okay. It's you, you'll get well, mom, just please hold on and I don't think we took the situation that seriously, I guess. I think I still feel like my mom had hope. She thought she'd get out of the hospital until maybe her condition got worse. But that's when she was not allowed to take a phone with her. 
and we took her phone from the hospital ourselves. And then COVID also played a role in what your family was able to do in terms of planning the funerals for your mom and your grandmother. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, Definitely. Like I said, COVID complicated everything. To be fair, I wasn't that involved in the funeral planning process. I mean, in the beginning, for the first two funerals, I'd say, for the first few weeks, I was I was a zombie, basically, not being able to function. I was told to eat, to drink water. My aunties would literally bring me water. They would tell me to stay hydrated, that uh, you need to do this, you need to stay strong. The first funeral happened, not a funeral, but just people visiting and saying they were sorry the next day after my mom passed. I think the worst part about the whole thing was that We couldn't even hug the people that came because we were afraid. We had to keep the distance. Having to wear masks, constantly disinfecting your hands and all the rooms in the house after someone comes was definitely unusual and pretty sad. And we also couldn't invite a lot of people to the funeral due to restrictions and also because we ourselves were too scared and we had to be safe. So you could be somewhat within the same realm of family, but you couldn't get that physical comfort, that hug. It was just your auntie saying, drink this water, <laughs> make sure you take care of your physical body. Well, I'd, I'd find comfort in, you know, hugging my sisters. We basically, we slept in the same, in one bed for, I think, a week or two weeks straight. Like we'd hold hands the whole time. That was our way of mm. coping. We just became this one person, all three of us. And you happen to be home in Kazakhstan kind of randomly since you live currently in Prague and now you're back in Prague and wondering what is it like to be grieving so far from home and from your sisters and your family? It's hard. It would be way more difficult for me if it weren't for my sisters. If I, if I were an only child, I think that's when I feel like I'd go insane, to be honest. Like I said, I'm picking on new hobbies. I'm just drowning in uni work. I'm asking my professors to give me some extra readings and some extra assignments just so I can stay busy. That's what helps me personally. And also reading or listening to other people's stories has helped me a lot. Um, I know that I'm not alone, that there's somebody out there going through, if not the same, then maybe similar pain. Yeah, so that's that's what helps me. And grief itself can feel so isolating, but I think about you being 20 and having had so many deaths so early in your life and how that could add a layer of isolation from other folks your own age. And what do you wish people understood or knew about grieving at such a young age? When you're a child, I think um, most children have their own insecurities at a very young age. And if that child is also grieving, the insecurities, they just double, you know. I remember I hated the way I looked because I was a tomboy in school. And later I realized that it was the grief reflecting because I was, there was some time when I was probably a year or even two years after my dad passed away, I realized that I had pretty serious anger issues. I'd get into fights with the boys in my class and I later realized that it was because uh, of me grieving. That was my coping mechanism, basically. 
There's also a few things that I feel like people say to you when you're grieving at any age that can be insensitive, even though they um, don't mean it to say it that way. They may have pure intentions. They may uh, try not to be rude, but it still sounds rude, you know? What's an example of one or two of those phrases that just doesn't land very well for you? I wish people stopped saying things like, I could not survive that. You're so strong. I just can't imagine losing both of my parents. As some of my friends have said this before, and they still do, and and I know they have no intention of being rude, but it, it's still very insensitive. Just saying, I just can't imagine losing both of my parents. Like, I wouldn't have survived that. Well, here I am, <laughs> you know? Or just call me if you need anything. Like, I will not. <laughs> Grieving people mostly will not do that. They need you to figure out what they need and when to text them and ask them how you how they're doing. Also, people saying it was God's plan or your mom's in a better place. I mean, what place could possibly be better for her than being here with me and my sisters? People that are grieving, they change. I mean, me especially. I think the person that I used to be a year ago, well, I was still a kid, you know, like a 19-year-old kid who had no idea that a year later I'd go through so much pain. And grief is something that I'll always carry with me for the rest of my life. And it has become my shadow. What are some ways that you've found that you've changed in this last year? I think I've matured, definitely. Because, you know, when you lose a parent, even a single parent, especially both your parents at a young age, it's like you are left to fall without a parachute whilst other people, young people your age, they have one and they have a backup. And people my age, they know that if they mess up in life or if something doesn't work out, they always have their parents to help them financially, to help them emotionally, because they're your parents. They'll take care of you as long as you're alive, as long as they're alive. Deep down, I know that I don't have that possibility. In a sense, what you're describing sounds like not having that sense of a safety net. Definitely, because I used to say home is where my mama is. But now that my mom has passed, my sisters live, you know, back home and I still call it home because now it's become where my sisters are. Mm. But a mom is a mom anyway. A parent is a parent. And yeah. You talked a little at the beginning of the ways that you kind of carry on your mom's teachings and just her love for you and just wondering like what are some of the other ways that you carry on your mom's legacy so to be honest since it hasn't even been a year since my mama passed I haven't well my sisters and I we haven't come up with a specific ritual or a specific way to honor her but I have a lot of plans regarding that I'm thinking of building a mosque or a school for kids because that's what my mom wanted to do uh, but when it comes to my dad, I have a playlist uh, with the songs that he liked a lot. And I play those from time to time. We have loads of videos from our childhood with dad and mom. And we watch this uh, as often as we can. We gather around with extended family every year for our family members' birthdays and death anniversaries. And I feel like that makes us uh, even closer. 
also thinking too about growing up in Kazakhstan, your family is there, it's where your people who have died lived and where you grew up with them. And now you live in a different country and a different culture in a way. And, and just wondering, like, are there ways in which the cultural traditions for you around grief and loss and death, are there ways that those traditions are comforting? And are there ways that those traditions don't feel like they fit very well? Uh, to be honest, I don't think I've ever been on a funeral that's not Kazakh. So I guess I don't have any, I haven't experienced anything else that I'd compare it with. I feel like our funerals are generally comforting, but I just saying this, judging by the movie scenes and things that I watch, I, people cry a lot uh, during, um, you know, Kazakh funerals. People just cry the whole time, which, I mean, does that, does that usually happen in the, the U.S.? Do people like hug each other and cry a lot or are they just, do they just, you know, try to stay calm? Yeah, I think it really depends. I think it's across the board in terms of like some of that is culturally determined. And I think some of that is just individual temperament too. But one thing I have to say about the funeral arrangements and everything, until 40 days pass after your family member, your loved one died, someone has to be with you. That's one of, I, I'm just now realizing this. I don't know if there's any other culture that has this. There has to be someone living with you for those 40 days just to make sure that, just to feed you, basically, um, give you water, I guess, mm. just to, um, you know, to comfort you, to support you. And it's it lasts for, like, exactly 40 days, and then it's up to that person if they want to stay with you for some time. And I think that's very... I think that's very nice, to be honest, because we had our almost all of our aunties basically living with us for those 40 days. And that's when you sort of like you don't think about it that much because they're with you. You, you know that you have a strong support system. You know that you have people that will always support you. That's probably the main difference, I'd say. Yeah, to have somebody move in and take care of all of just the day to day logistics. And to, yeah, yeah. Wow, to have someone just like do the laundry and the dishes for 40 days, that sounds like an amazing support. <laughs> yeah, and also help with the funeral arrangements and all that stuff. So you mentioned that there's friends who are wanting to be there for you, and sometimes they say things that maybe don't feel as supportive as they intend them to be. Wondering, and that you've really changed, you know, that you felt like you've matured and you've had to take on a lot more responsibility. What other ways have your mom's death and your grandmother's death, how has that changed your relationship with friends and, and also with your family? Um, I think my sisters and I, we've definitely become stronger. We're more united because I was, I've always been close to my sisters, but when my mom was alive, she was always the first person that I'd always tell her something even something minor, you know, something if I'm happy about something, I'd always call her, I'd always text her and say, mom, guess what? And now I do it to my sisters. We, um, they were in the same group chat. We think as one, I think we've mashed into this one person, <laughs> which sounds really weird. But when it comes to my extended family, I think at first our relatives didn't quite know how to talk to us. They didn't know how to support us. I remember one of my uncles, he came up to me and said, 
I cannot imagine what you guys are going through um, because he's 30 years old, I think 31, and he still has both of his parents. He's my dad's cousin. And he said at such a young age, you being able to put up with this, the fact that you guys still leave and move forward, uh, he said he was inspiring. Um, but when it comes to my friends, my relationships with some of them have definitely changed. Not necessarily negatively, but most of my friends, they still, you know, don't know what to say. And at first they couldn't find the right words. And I, I reckon some of them still don't know what to say and how to react when they see me. Also the awkward silence when you meet new people and the the conversation is about family and parents and, and they're like, how about you? <laughs> Do you have a family? Do you have any parents? And then you just, you don't want to talk about it and you, and you don't know any ways how to avoid talking about it. That's pretty hard because you could be having a great time and then someone asks this question and they don't even know that this question is, um, you know, something that's very personal to you. And you just have to deal with that for the rest of the day. And you just can't stop thinking about it. How do you usually respond when you're meeting someone new and they're like, so what about your parents? I just, you know, when my dad passed, I think when I was a teenager and when I knew that I'm meeting this person and I'll probably never see them again, when I know, when I knew that, I used to lie and just say, um, you know, my dad's alive and I would just I tell them, like, if they ask, like, how old, I tell them how old my dad would be if you if you were alive. And but now I just I'm I'm just usually honest. Mm. I tell them the truth. There's no point in lying or hiding something because that's uh, like I said, grief is part of my life is a part of me. I don't think there's any point in hiding that. Yeah, I, th- I wonder if sometimes it gets to a place where like I'm no longer interested in trying to shield this person from what they're about to hear. And I'm not interested in (laughs) trying to make sure they don't feel uncomfortable. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. When we first talked, Mariam, you had mentioned that because you are someone who has had both parents die in your early 20s, that you've noticed that there's some people who are reaching out to you and you've moved into kind of this role of offering support to them and wondering what that's been like for you. I mean, it used to be pretty overwhelming at first because I that's not how I imagine myself inspiring other people <laughs> you know I'd I want to inspire people in a different way I know this girl from my school who um, recently lost her husband and she's the same age as me and her husband was only 23 and yeah we talk quite a lot we just text each other and that's how we you know support each other and then there was this other girl who um lost her dad also from school and I think it's quite interesting that they themselves you know they have the courage to text me and you know ask for some tips or like advice but it's been inspiring in some way to be honest it just keeps me grounded I guess it keeps me wanting to enjoy life to the fullest and I guess help other people in some way yeah to have some purpose to do with this loss and this grief like what am I going to do with this okay I can I can show up for somebody else I can be there for them I can recognize 
how much courage and strength it does take to reach out and to share their story or to ask for help from you. Like there's an, there's a level of understanding there that is hard to reach with other people who aren't also grieving. Yeah. Well, Miriam, I'm so grateful for our conversation today and for you taking the risk and having the courage to reach out to me. I think via Instagram to, to tell your story and to want to be part of grief out loud and, and for being a listener, which is how you kind of found your way to the show. So, so thank you for talking with me and for sharing your story with our, our listeners and for remembering your mom and your dad in this way. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you. And listeners out there, I say it each and every time, but thank you for being part of our community for making this show make a difference. If there is an episode that speaks to you, I'd love to hear about it. You can email me at griefoutloud at Dougie, D-O-U-G-Y dot O-R-G. If you're new to our show, you can find all of our past episodes at our website, D-O-U-G-Y dot O-R-G forward slash griefoutloud. And thanks again for listening. And we hope you'll join us again next time.